0: mm <music> Insight into the arts and entertainment industry. I am your host, Canary T. Robot, and today we are joined by podcaster and my boyfriend, David King.
1: oh thank you for having me on the uh, inaugural episode. Right? Yes. This is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah,
0: this is just our, my first one, and it's starting out. And I figured, why not uh, have a better interview than one with my boyfriend, who, who I know extremely well? But I wonder is is there more? Behind the man, behind the curtain.
1: Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. There's no curtain. There's no curtains in here. See? I have blinds. Yep. (laughs) There's no man behind the blinds, I'll tell you that much.
0: Which is kind of sad. No, it's not. (laughs) Okay, so um, first off, David, what do you do?
1: I do a lot of different things. Um, I sometimes feel like I'm a um, jack-of-all-trades creatively,
0: Okay, well, let's start by talking about what is your podcast?
1: Well, uh, I guess the main thing I can say right now is um, I run the Midnight Marinera podcast. It is a a series of monthly uh, audio dramas and radio plays that are based off uh, internet horror fiction or creepypasta, as they're often known. I have been known to delve into more classic literature, uh public domain stories and things like that, because you know, public domain, pretty good. But uh creepypasta was the heart and soul of the channel initially, and that's uh, what I do. I get people together, we record these radio plays, and I release them to the public twice a month. Uh or I well used to be twice a month. I'm gonna
0: It's dropped down to once a month now?
1: Yeah, it did have, it had to drop down to once a month. My life just got too busy. And we can get to that.
0: Yeah, that uh, that's gonna be um definitely a question for later.
1: I feel Uh, like I rambled a little bit there. That's fine. All right. Well, let's see. Um, I also write for the Pick Your Path podcast on the BenView Network, which is the site that hosts uh, Midnight Marinara. And uh, with that one, it's a choose your own adventure podcast where in the style of uh, the choose your own adventure books, you can uh, jump to different chapters in the podcast to have the story go the way you want it to go. Nice. Those are the two primary things I do: is uh, Midnight Marinera and uh, Pick Your Path.
0: And then also, you contribute to Random Encounters as well.
1: That is true. I have done a lot of work with Random Encounters Entertainment. Um, I've done a lot of uh, you know acting and voiceover stuff with them. A couple bits of camera work. Um, I have also done my own camera stuff but that was a long time ago like my own youtube stuff but that was a long time ago that's not my main <laughs> focus i am a writer by trade and that's you mostly what i do in most of my creative endeavors
0: yeah let's uh, actually i wanted to start with that um how'd you become interested in this stuff like um what made you want to go into podcasting
1: um well when i was growing up um we used to take long car trips to visit my dad's place in the in the mountains and that was a 2 hour drive and um usually when we'd go um we would be leaving around the time of night that uh KNX 1070 news radio would be playing their KNX drama hour and they would play a lot of the old uh, radio serials from like the 40s and 50s so I would hear a lot of older uh, radio plays things like uh suspense the whistler um tales of the Texas Ranger the Lone Ranger dragnet you know all these old old radio dramas that were so much fun to listen to and how it was great how stories could be told just with with sound for some reason that always fascinated me uh, coming from a very musically inclined family too having two musicians for parents um, oh wow I have uh, I have a, a bit of an ear for music or at least I think I do so um I've always been really into the way sound works in storytelling so um, I mean the other thing I, I really enjoyed growing up were those old like haunted house sound effect tapes you know
0: I actually had those as well those yeah kinda, um, it, they partly scared me and yet I found them fascinating
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of fun when you you can listen to them and it would be weird because I would be I was the kind of kid who would listen to those sort of tapes like any day of the year. That I felt like it, not just on Halloween, and it probably weirded people out around me. But I don't care. Uh, I, you know, there was also I was also the kind of I was also the kind of uh, kid who would listen to um, like ride soundtracks from like Disneyland and stuff with the whole with all the audio mixes and stuff. I don't know. I've always been uh, really interested in the way sound is is designed and engineered. It's not my main hobby. Well, I mean, it's become my main. Creative endeavor, but it's not something I actively trained in. It's just something that kind of came to me.
0: Well, that's good to know. Actually, uh, where did how did you get your start with podcasting? I mean, obviously, that's how you got interested in it. But I mean, how did you start up a podcast? Can you give us a story for that?
1: Right. Okay. Well, I mean, I was. Um, it was around the time that I um, was. I was looking around um, the internet trying to find a thing. I was feeling sort of creatively stagnating. Like I was writing novels and I was writing screenplays and short stories and that's all good. I don't want to put down that because that's a fun thing in itself. So
0: you were, okay, if you, um, let me backtrack. You were a writer to begin with.
1: Yes, I was a writer. I'm mostly a writer to begin with. Like I said, writing is my main thing.
0: And, uh, I mean, what have you written so far? How why don't we like go through the resume of David
1: King
0: <laughs> <laughs> or <laughs> the backstory of David King?
1: Well, I, I I gave that bit, but um, yeah, no, I've written a few things. Nothing super, nothing super paramount. Um, like in terms of um, things people can read publicly. Um, I have I had one short story published in a short story collection called uh, "Live Life" or "Live Life." I've, sometimes I wonder how that's pronounced uh the daydreamers journal which was put out by the stout optimist society of um the university of wisconsin and that's cool yeah and uh, what what it, what it was was a collection of independent stories by different authors it set a couple different guinness world records and one of my short stories ended up in in that collection all the proceeds from that book went to um went to charity so Aww. i didn't see a dime but neither did the people who made the book because all that money went to charity that's
0: so sweet the
1: cancer research
0: Aww. Yeah. And then, um, of course, you got two popular creepypastas.
1: That's true. I did write uh, the Grad Night in the Haunted Mansion story, along with the man with the cane. There's another story I wrote called Fangs that's floating around out there. It's a Halloween story. Um,
0: I actually have yet to read that one. Next goal. That is a next goal. Of mine.
1: <laughs> there you go. Uh, there is a couple of... Um, and then on deviant art i didn't want to mention deviant art but it's there For, because no one here's the thing deviant art's a good place to store your fiction i didn't think it was a place where you people would go to actively read your fiction i've had two or three daily deviations though through with my short fiction
0: really yeah
1: one of them being the story that eventually got published in um the daydreamer's journal um and there's two other ones i wrote uh that also got that uh one of them being oh uh, Expedition letters to Grace. If you want to find the titles of those, <laughs> um, there's a, there's a, there's a few, there's a few out there. There's another. Oh, and journeyed to far west is the other one, mm-hmm. which is sort of a pastiche of um, mystic, mythic East meets spaghetti West, and it's sort of about uh, if, if you're a fan of the the, the Chinese, you know, uh, myth journey to the West, you'll appreciate it. Because it's, it's basically uh, Sun Wukong and a Spaghetti Western. That's cool.
0: <laughs> I got to find that. Okay, as I listen to these, I'm like, note to self, read stories of Davids. <laughs> uh, um, so with, the, with your with writing... With my
1: writing resume out of the way. Yeah, with
0: your writing resume out of the way and the fact you start started writing what then made you decide to go to podcasting?
1: Well, podcasting is really interesting to me because um, two things mainly inspired me for that. One was the old radio serials I mentioned. Um, I should say three things because one was the old radio serials. Two was the fact that around the time that I really started getting into podcasts, the, my sort of introduction to that was through Welcome to Nightvale. And Night Vale um, was doing something really incredible at the time and still is in that it was telling a cohesive story month to month. Um, twice a month, actually, where uh, you would get the updates from this town. I thought, this is great. You, This is a new medium for storytelling, and this is really exciting to me. It just fired my synapses on that. The other thing that inspired me to do, in particular, Midnight Marinera, was um, the fact that if you go to YouTube and you look around, you'll find a lot of people who do creepypasta uh, reads. Um, they will just take a story and uh, read it verbatim. Just, you know, one thing they like, and They'll add their own, you know, they'll add some music and atmosphere to it. But otherwise, it's just them reading the story. And a lot of people got very popular doing this. And I thought, that's really cool. It's like having a book on tape that you can just listen to for free. And my thought was, I could probably do something better, honestly. Because I listened to this and I thought a lot of these stories would be really good as radio plays. I think about, uh, you know... Alfred Hitchcock Presents or The Twilight Zone and those old anthology shows that would take mm-hmm. other people's work, you know, people, other people, there was a lot of people with different writing credits on those shows, and they would ad- be adapted. Um, have you ever seen, Kayla, the, uh, an occurrence at Owl Creek, Owl Creek Bridge?
0: You keep telling me about this. No, <laughs> I have not.
1: Oh, uh, well. Um, the, the reason I mentioned that is is that's uh, actually one that I thought of because Rod's, it was actually I think a... Uh,
0: you said it was a Rod Sterling uh, written story. Oh
1: no, actually, it or was um, produced. It was Ambrose. Well, Ambrose Bierce wrote the original story, the uh, the original like story it was based off of, and then I think it was a short film. I think it was a French short film. I could be wrong about this, but it was taken from um, from that, and and uh, Rod Sterling was such a fan of this particular short film that he wanted to include it in the Twilight Zone so he took it and put it in there and gave, you know, credit to the he mentions in his opening narration how this is a little bit different from what we normally do because this is a, a, someone else's production that we are featuring on the twilight zone. And so that kind of jumped out to me too and I thought, what if I was like that for creepy writers? Like I could do adaptations of these stories that are really good because there's a lot of there's a lot of really good creepy fiction out there in the creepypasta scene. And I wanted to give them a voice beyond just someone picking it up and reading it. And I'm not saying that to, sh- to like shame anybody who does uh, narrations, because I know that that's a, a big thing, and if a lot of people... They're very popular on YouTube, these narrations. Mm. But um, I wanted to take it to the next level. I wanted to do these audio dramas. A way to sort of cut my teeth on the idea of uh, writing radio plays, and also to... Um, work practice adapting other people's work
0: and that's something i've always heard from entertainment people is the goal the one way to make yourself more well known or to get out there is to do something different or Mm -hmm. to do something people haven't seen before
1: i think it's important when if you're trying to do something is to find a niche find something that makes you happy and makes you're passionate about but find a niche with that as well i saw a niche that wasn't being fulfilled and i jumped in there before anyone else could
0: and it seems like it's going very well. Your um, subscriber count has moved up. You've got, now got a forum, and then you also won an award in 2014.
1: That is true. I uh, <laughs> I won the uh, I was one of the, I think best new uh, original anthology or best new ad- adaptation anthology podcast uh, for Midnight Marinera no? with the Audioverse Awards.
0: That's really cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think so too. <laughs>
0: Um I
1: was also a nominee uh during last year's um uh, Audioverse Awards. Didn't win, but got nominated and was in the uh the final um like the final round of nominations. That's really cool, Still, so. I got beaten by a Doctor Who podcast.
0: Uh well, Doctor Who usually wins no matter what.
1: The Doctor always wins. I think that's <laughs> the true of the Doctor. The Doctor
0: always wins. <laughs> I can't do a British accent. I fail.
1: <laughs> I I won't even try.
0: Um now, how did you, uh, you get your podcast started up? Um, like uh how did you go about getting it set up?
1: Um, the way I did initially was um I didn't really know how to the best way to present it. I didn't know much about iTunes or um any of the big mixing places. So, when I first got started and this was back in 2013, <laughs> I could say that like it's a long time ago now. Uh,
0: Not like it was only three years ago or anything.
1: Three years is a long time in internet time. That is true. Um, it doesn't feel like that to me, but it, I, you know, considering how fa- fast things work on the internet, it does happen. But uh, so I didn't know quite what I was doing, but I initially started by uploading my work to uh, YouTube and SoundCloud because I already know you knew YouTube as a platform. I'd done a lot of sort of casual YouTube stuff over the years. And, uh, my work with random encounters had given me the insight that YouTube was a place where you could really reach out to a lot of people. And, uh, I knew that they, if I put my work up there, I would ask them, you know, Hey guys, can you help promote me here a little bit? Because, you know, I've done all this stuff for you in the past and I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, and they did, they were actually really good about that and which I really appreciate. And, um, but SoundCloud was the other place I started, uh, promoting the podcast initially. And, uh. The SoundCloud is still there, but it's only got the first few episodes on it. Um, I am thinking I might have to upgrade it at some point and actually put my whole backlog of episodes up there because I know people who like to listen to Midnight Marinera through uh, SoundCloud. But that was how I got my start.
0: Okay. And then uh, how did uh... – you're now um, part of the Benview Network. Right. How did that happen?
1: Uh, so I was doing this, and I was uh, I was going on to – like Facebook and Twitter and Tumblr to, to expand my um, social media horizons, which were very narrow at the time. I don't do social media. Um, and the only social media media I do have now is for Midnight Marinera, pretty much specifically. Um, but around the time that I was just sharing it with friends, um, Andrew Lindy, who I knew from college, came on and said, hey, you know, I don't know much about SoundCloud, but we are actively looking for more podcasts to bring to our network, and uh, we know that you're doing this thing, so we would we were wondering if you would be willing to let us host your work and I said that would be fantastic. So uh, we worked it out and then they started hosting the podcast and um I guess the rest they say is history because um after that, um it sort of actually started taking off a lot more. I think it had more of a listener base because there were people gravitating to it from the other podcasts. They were established on the Benview Network, and I want to say, like, Benview Network has a lot of really good podcasts. I've, I listen to a lot of their work myself, and not just because of the fact that I'm affiliated with them. I was listening to stuff on Benview before that.
0: No, um, has being on Benview helped your podcast at all, or uh...
1: immensely? I'd say.
0: Like how so?
1: Um, my, I think it helps to have a, a really steady platform mm-hmm. to upload them on. And, uh, if you're going to, when I wanted to upload it, I wanted to upload it to as many places as I could. So I kept uploading them to SoundCloud, but then I'd be like SoundCloud, Benview and YouTube. And so I had three places where I had, I could, people could listen to it. So you, I had all my bases covered when it came to how people prefer to listen to podcasts. I think a lot more podcasts could actually benefit from uploading their stuff to YouTube. I know Night Vale's doing that now. Because sometimes people can just pull up the video and they can be doing stuff in the background. You don't need to see anything on the screen. You just do that. But with uh, – I'm sorry. I, I wandered away from the initial question. No, no.
0: Go, go ahead. This is, it, that's actually very useful to know because like um, with podcasters, they think, oh, you just uploaded to SoundCloud or you just op- uploaded – To YouTube, they're not. It's sometimes hard to know where do you post it. Is it good to have a network? Is it not? So the fact that you mentioned that YouTube is very useful is a good thing to know.
1: Yeah, well, it helps um, finding a network. I think is pretty good. Uh, You're gonna want to find people who you can trust. And the good thing, like the thing, a reason I joined BenView when I did was because they were looking, and I've known Andrew and Benson from college. They were friends of mine, and I'd actually been on a couple of episodes, early, early episodes of Nerd's Eye View. When it was still in its college phase, when it's still early on, so with um with that um I feel like it did help me immensely because then I had an iTunes source for that, and iTunes is a great way if you can find a way to get on it to host a podcast. I recommend uh looking into that if that's something any of the listeners out there would want to do mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's where most i it's where most podcasts are sorted these days. It's why they're called podcasts because they were things you would listen to on the iPod.
0: That actually makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm.
1: Now. I mean, obviously the you know people have iPhones and iPads now, but you know when it was just the iPod, it was a thing that you could just download automatically and then listen to while you were on the go. Now,
0: um, how would you say is your The daily process, or not even daily process, what is the process you do in creating a Midnight Marinara?
1: Um, The first step in the process is digging through the immense amounts of creepypasta out there and finding one that really speaks to me. One that I think could be easily adapted to a um, uh, a format where there is no visuals and all the story has to be told through sound. Usually dialogue-heavy stories help in that degree um then my next step in the process is to if the um with a lot of creepypasta the author is generally anonymous if the original author is easy to track down or can is track down a bowl i will do that and then ask if i can adapt their work so far i've never been turned down which is actually pretty cool i usually present it in the way that i say this is something i would like to do Here's, what, here's the uh, reasons I might have to make changes, but I'd be happy to run any scripts by you beforehand. And usually I get the okay. So um, the next step beyond that is actually writing the, uh, the, the script, the script for the radio play, um, sort of figuring out what goes where and how to make it work best in that format. And then I start casting. Usually scripting and casting kind of happen around the same time. Um, I'll put out a call for people who I know who either I want to help promote as um, voiceover or people who I are friends of mine who are already voiceover people who I would just love to have on the show. And uh, after that, uh, once I get all my voices in, I start getting into the editing process. And that's where I start having the most fun with it.
0: And how did you... Now, uh just to interrupt for a quick second, then I can go back. Um, you've had a great amount of cast on this show, not just random encounters, but also some... Uh, great voice actors like Sarah Williams, Kira Buckland, Xander Mobis, uh, Darren DePaul, uh, Dino Andrade. How did you connect with these people? How what? How do you find these people?
1: Um, a lot of it comes from the fact that of uh, being in, and I hate to say this because it sounds like such a fluke, but it is um, being in the right place at the right time in a lot of ways. Um, and being open to the possibility of like socializing with people and making friends and kind of jumping at opportunities that come my way. Uh, more specifically, I hit the con circuit a lot. I think that's one thing that's really good. Hit the con circuit a lot. Um, hitting that was, that worked out really well for me. I love going to cons and I love, um, interacting with people at cons, other creatives. Um, and what, with a lot of these people, a lot like, um, it, I, we would meet and bond over a shared fandom. With uh, Dino, for example, we are both huge fans of Disneyland's Haunted Mansion. And uh, he happened to recognize a um, a cosplay I was wearing at the time. My go-to obscure cosplay is the, the caretaker from the ride. And uh, it's easy, I just threw it together from stuff out of a thrift store. He recognized it, we got to chatting, and then he takes me over to his booth, and I, I didn't even know who he was, and I look up and I go, Oh... Oh, you voiced the Scarecrow in Arkham Asylum. You're my favorite <laughs> Batman villain. Did you know that? And then we we just we hit it off and and now we I would meet him at cons and we would chat and we we just we became friends. And um it's the thing, I think when you go to when you go to a con and you're being your truest self really, like you're being expressing your fandom, that's usually a um a good way to make friends. And the other thing too is it's is um a lot of these people i just fr- befriended because of because of shared interests, not because I was actively trying to find them and recruit them to a project uh with like people like Dino Darren some of the people you mentioned I met them through social events and it was just random uh Kira I met because um she was invited to uh mutual parties of a friend of mine and we we met and we would just hit it off and start chatting and stuff like that uh with um some other people it was through my work with random encounters i oh, would meet them cool. yeah i would meet them through random encounters and then they would random encounters would be like hey we can be sort of like they go between if you want to get some of these people on your show uh that's was this was how i kind of got to work with uh with sarah because sarah williams um who is a uh a voiceover for video games and and she does a lot of dub work as well um I would go into her credits, but she has a lot. <laughs> and they're pretty great. Yeah. Um, But Sarah, like, uh, they, they actually gave me her contact information. They suggested her to me. And I said, that would be really great. And so we got to chatting through email. And then I asked her if she wanted to be a part in an episode. And it's so funny because later I met her in person around the same time that I met uh, Xander Mobis in person. And uh, that was on the Five Nights at Freddy's musical shoot. And... um we were all doing the voices and the puppeteering during that, and uh, for our respective puppets, and uh, that was a good um, that was a good experience. Um, and after that, like I hit it like again, we we chatted, and uh, I asked Xander after you know establishing some rapport if he wanted to be a part on Midnight Marinera, and lo and behold, there he was.
0: So be- basically, just being yourself or being friendly really offered you the opportunity to. Work with all these people.
1: Exactly. I think if I was going to give any advice, it would be it, it come at, if you're if you want to get if you want to collaborate with people, it's a it's more of a matter of sort of coming at them with the opportunity with um, or not coming at. That sounds really <laughs> like... I'm
0: going to come at you. Roar!
1: Hey, you're cool. Be on my thing is not usually the best way to recruit. is to recruit people to a project if you want them. If you want them to be on a thing. I would honestly say look to the people you know first. Look to the people you know and are friends with. I guess that's the point of it. Is I I, I befriended all, all of these people mostly before I even asked them to be in anything. And, you know, it's one thing to shoot for other like popular YouTubers. Like, you know, it's one thing to go, hey, I like what you do. Check out my channel, (laughs) but um, uh, which is you know it's people want to collaborate with people who are their friends. People want to collaborate with people whose work they respect. Um, And honestly, if you want to engage in a project yourself, my best bit of advice is go to the people you know who already have talent, the people who are already your friends and who you trust that have talent, because they could use your what you do as a as a platform for that. Oh, that's the, that's my philosophy when coming into it because one of the things I wanted to do with Midnight Marinero was really showcase the work of my friends and my uh, and people who are creative that I know personally who need a voice and need a, need some spotlight you know.
0: Now, uh, sorry. Now back to the question about how your day works. So you cast the actors,
1: cast the actors, and then I start editing,
0: and then the editing process. The
1: editing process is actually weirdly enough the shortest process, but it's also the most grueling process. Um, I usually dedicate a good amount of time in really short bursts, and generally too close to the end for comfort of the deadline for uh, getting these done. Uh, part of the reason I went—I know you mentioned like you know—you said twice a month, but now it's monthly—is because um, trying to do that whole process I just mentioned—I mentioned, mentioned earlier—twice a month was starting to kill me. <laughs> Nightville can do it because generally they have they have two writers. One dedicated voice actor and uh, already a dedicated set of music. I have an ever-changing cast,
0: and that becomes tricky.
1: It becomes very tricky.
0: It, and I've you've told me this before. Working, uh, the toughest part is trying to get uh, actors to uh, record.
1: I yeah, uh, I have have to become. I've had to become very picky about who I can get. I mean, people can have all the talent in the world. And that's great, and I will. I would love to have them on my show. But if their recording quality is bad, I can't use them. If there's a lot of room echo and reverb, if there's um, no pop filter on the mic, and you're hitting lots of and um, if it just doesn't sound to the quality I need, I can't use it. I want to get showcase talent, but I also want to be able to utilize uh, the. I also want to utilize good acoustics. So. um that's also part of the tricky part is making sure is contacting people who I know would be good and then going, okay, if you've never done this before, send me a test recording and let's see how it sounds. And I learned early on that, um, some people who I, I cast, uh, maybe didn't always have the best, uh, sound, sound recording. I strive for a bigger quality now. So Midnight Marinara has been a learning curve in that regard too.
0: No, I, I know, um, you also have another segment called undercooked analysis and you've said that's an easier one.
1: Yeah, with undercooked analysis, honestly, I th- I throw all the the heavy editing stuff out the window. My point with met undercooked analysis is to be have no script, no plan, and no filters. So with that one, we're sort of pulling an MST3K on creepy pasta stories. Me and some other people sit down. I don't care the the the, the situation doesn't matter as much, uh, and we just read. We read a story out loud and then talk about it as we go along. It used to be a lot goofier, and then Dead Palette brought some sophistication to the show, and now it's very—it's more uh, literary criticism, but with a lot of humor still. I mean, that's the part that remains consistent.
0: <laughs> and then uh, what about uh, Pick Your uh, Podcast? How is that different from recording Midnight Marinera? Uh,
1: Pick Your Path is very different because uh, writing a choose-your-own-adventure story is... Um, Interesting. You have to be able to t- take into account every branch that exists. So, I use a program called Twine that allows me to um go through the story and um allows me to go through the story and sort of create those different branches and you can then jump between them. Um so the process with that is just I write the kind of choose your own adventure story I would want to read and um then then I pass the the work off to um Benson and Andrew. Benson does the principal editing for that one, and um, and then usually that's then after that's been done, the story gets given to uh, our narrator, the impeccable Matt Hawley, <laughs> and uh, he will um, he will read the whole thing, and then it goes back to Matt, and Matt will then chop it up into the different chapters and put the chapter marks on them, so that way if you're using an enhanced podcast, you can then jump to each individual section of the story as you're listening. You can just pull it up and go I want to go to chapter number this and you tap that and then you go to that part of the story.
0: That's really cool.
1: I think it's pretty innovative. Um uh, I don't have an iPhone. <laughs> so, um I'm a little bit old-fashioned when it comes to my my own phone, but um it, it, it sounds good. I would when I do get one because I'm probably going to have to at some point. Uh I'm going to enjoy finally playing all the Pick Your Path episodes that I've written and also Benson and Andrew have written, and actually playing them.
0: And then just going, it's like, hmm, I can actually pick chapters now. Mm
1: -hmm. For those who don't have, um, we actually have an option for people who don't have that. We have a just pure flow through, which is the preferred path through the story, where you can listen to it as a cold, as just a straight read through. But it takes away the option of you being able to pick where you go.
0: Now, I know with a podcast, some technology was is needed. You mentioned you use Twine uh, for, for- For the what? writing process. For the writing process, for Pick Your Path. Uh, what other technology do you use?
1: Uh, for for which? For P- Pick Your uh, Path or Midnight Marinara?
0: We'll go with Midnight Marinara because I know the editing and everything goes with Matt Benson. So
1: Right. So I can't speak for Benson myself, but for me, um, my, and I admit, my, this is, this just goes to show that it can be done even on a shoestring budget. Um, I just use Audacity to record from my own, my own parts. And then to edit, I just use a movie editing program. Instead of using any uh, visuals, I just use all of the tracks to put all of the, uh, movie files in or all the audio files in. I then move everything around and have it all go through and it usually works out okay. Export it as a solid MP3, add some general images later if I want to put it on YouTube.
0: And, uh, what kind of, uh, microphone do you use for recording?
1: Um, I know some people will give me flack for this, but right now, I, for me personally, uh, the blue Yeti tends to work well. If you're just starting out and want to do uh, voiceover or even just like podcast recording, Yeti is actually pretty good. Uh, it's cheap. It does a lot for what you can do with it. Um, uh, they don't always work in the most amazing way. I've had, a, I've had really good luck with my own Yeti. Uh, but, um, I know that if you want to just, if are just starting out, the Yeti is a good way to do it.
0: Okay. That's good to know.
1: I still use it, but again, I keep mine in really good condition. I'm very careful with it.
0: Now, um, as your podcast begins to grow, what, uh, what are you looking forward to or what are your goals for, um, your podcasts?
1: Well, I want to make sure that I keep doing what I'm doing now and that is expanding, uh, my ability to record and giving more quality, like better quality recordings can, um, one thing I'm actually more interested in right now is collaborating with other uh creepy pasta creator people. Uh recently, uh I've been talking to uh people like Slimebeast uh, and um Nick Nocturne of Nightmind and we've been sort of talking about the different projects we can be working on that are other fun podcasty sort of things. Uh we're working we're, we're working on a project right now that I can't talk too much about, but it's 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 something fun that we have in the pipeline sort of Sort of a, sort of a kind of an ARG kind of thing.
0: Aww, that sounds really cool. It should be.
1: It should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. We've sort of uh, been working on that. For Midnight Marinera itself, though, my goal is to just get to a point a point where I can be doing it more often, and so I can really invest more quality into it. I definitely want to get uh, more, like better recording equipment. At some point, beyond my poor little yeti, which has served its purpose well, but I would like to get a really good dedicated recording space. I would like to get a mic that can serve me. I want to have a space that I can actually invite people to and be like, "Here, now, use you, you can record in a in an environment where you're going to sound your best." You know, okay. that's something that's my next goal. My more immediate goal right now then is to is to actually have that space.
0: Now, um. For someone who wants to begin a podcast now, I know this is not your full-time job. No. So um, do you recommend people to start to work as they, if they want to start a creative project or what is your advice about that? It, de-
1: it depends on how much you want to throw in right away. I didn't quit my day job to do Midnight Marinera. I'm not making a ton of money off Midnight Marinera. Um, anything I get from it comes from a dedicated group of patrons who have been nice enough to donate to my Patreon Um, and that's not enough to get by clearly so if you want to do this something like a podcast full time uh, creatively um, you're gonna want to make sure you have all of your business channels set up first I am probably not the best person to talk to unfortunately about how to uh, what to do when it comes to making money or gaining a ton of making money from a podcast but um, what I recommend is that if your job is flexible enough when you have the time to record just record do what you need to do and fi- find some dedicated time every uh, so dedicate some time every week at the least to doing doing uh, the podcast you want to do whether it comes to editing or uh re- the recording and the editing or however you want to do it um like i said um i have i'm lucky enough that i my own full-time job is flexible has flexible enough hours that i can then come back and feel like i still have the energy and the time to uh work on episodes um and again if this is something you want to do pursue uh creatively for a as a means to for income um, then start out just doing it because you want to do it for fun. That's the main thing. And then don't quit your day job. <laughs> Find something that makes you happy. If this is something that makes you happy, then that's good. But don't quit your day job. Not until hopefully, and again, this is very tricky, you can get to a place where you can start um, getting some popularity or generating some revenue with your podcast.
0: And now what kind of skills would you suggest someone should have if they want to start a podcast?
1: Uh, Good speaking skills, very important. Being able to project is also very important. Um, I'm one of those people who recommends that everybody at some point take a speech class. Because public speaking is, I know, a thing that weirds people out. Um, and it's, you know, anybody can just dive into it casually, but you want to make sure that you speak clearly. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You want to be able to be this and not to be like, hey everybody, welcome to the prison cast. (laughs) You don't want to sound like Droopy when you're recording, you know? (laughs) You want to speak clearly. And you want to, um, you also want to be able to be, have good social skills because- (laughs) Uh, you can do one man podcasts, believe me, it's possible. But um, you're gonna have to really carry yourself on your charisma in that case. Um, if you want to do st- and if you want to do podcasts with other people, make sure that you bring in people who you like, people who like you, and people you have chemistry with, people you can just get along with. Because pod- when you're having fun with a podcast, and when your guests are having fun with a podcast your audience is going to hear that, and your audience is going to recognize that, and that's where the the fun is going to come from. The reason um, I often cite um, Game Grumps, I know they're not necessarily a podcast, they're a Let's Play channel, for those who don't know, but it's just two guys who sit around playing video games and talking to each other while they do that. And what people like is not so much that they're playing video games, or even playing video games particularly well, it's the banter between them. You can hear the strong friendship between these two, these two people, between... Um, Aaron and Dan and um, you hear them just laughing and cracking each other up and telling stories. And that's what appeals to people about uh, game grums. and that's often what appeals to people a lot of more off-the-cuff podcasts is just sort of people sharing stories, telling stories, uh, exchanging you know interviews, things like that. it's It's all about the like the energy you can bring to the podcast. Uh, if you have to force it, um, it might not be the best thing. Come at it and have fun. That's the most important thing. I think the third most important thing is that you have fun doing it.
0: And uh, let's—I think uh, it's good to now wrap it up. Uh, with any extra advice you want to give to our listeners out there?
1: Go to cons <laughs> if you can. No, I mean not just because of networking. Because not everybody's that. Not everybody can be great at networking. I think it's possible, but again. It really depends on how you how you approach it. And I wish I could give b- good advice about that apart from just like don't come at it from just trying to recruit people. Come at it because you want to make friends. Do it because you want to make friends. And why I say the reason I say go to cons is going to cons is a great way to meet people. Going to cons puts everybody kind of on the same level and has you bonding with people just over a shared fandom at a moment's notice. Um, I will met, admit part of the reason I know Kayla is because of shared fandoms. We met at a con. We met because we were both wearing different costume, very obscure costumes, and we recognized each other's fandoms. And here we are now.
0: Yes. Our our love story is a cute love story. It's a pretty cute love story. <laughs> yes, it is. We actually had a me cute.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we certainly did.
0: Okay. So um, any other advice you would say?
1: Um, don't do the creepypasta narrator thing. (laughs) It's been done to death. I mean, there's some people out there who do it well, but if you're just going to pick up a story and read it, you have to find an angle. So don't...
0: If if you're going to do it, do something different. Do something different. Or add something unique to it.
1: Yeah, make it your own, basically. Make it your own, because uh the the market for that is really flooded right now and everybody's listening to people like Mr. Creepy Pasta or Creeps McPasta or all these people who have creepy and or pasta in their names so do your own thing what i'm saying is do your own thing do what makes you happy and you'll even if it's really small you will find people who will share that and i think that's more important than it trying to go into it looking for success because I didn't start Midnight Marinera with the intention of making it be a big thing. When I first started it, it was just a baby project. It was just something I wanted to do to uh, pass the time to build up my um, ability to write uh, some- differently and to try something different with sound editing. And now it's become my main thing. So just do it because you want to do it. Do it because it feels good.
0: It's a really good advice. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, now why don't you plug yourself? Say, where can we find Midnight Marinera?
1: Uh, you can find Midnight Marinera on its home at benviewnetwork.com/slash Midnight Marinera. You can also find Pick Your Path on the Benview Network as well. Benviewnetwork.com/slash Pick Your Path. Uh, if you want to hear the, uh, the Undercooked analysis, is also under the same umbrella as Midnight Marinara. So if you find. Midnight Marinara, you'll also find under Cooked Analysis. You can also find that on YouTube under the same name, on Tumblr under the same name. If you want to find me on Twitter, my Twitter handle is Scary Sauce because that was what fit in best with uh, Midnight Marinara. I couldn't put the whole thing in. Dang it. Um, that's where you can find me there. Um, if you are interested in reading any of my short fiction that exists out there, uh, go to. Uh, circuit the look for the circus of intriguing things that's my portfolio website plug that right there uh a lot of my short fiction is on there as well as a few essays i've written it's a hodgepodge of random stuff and i actually still have to clean it up on second thought don't go there because i still (laughs) need to clean it up (laughs) it looks terrible i haven't updated it in a while (laughs) um but those are really the main plugs i want to give um that I can think of outside of my head.
0: Well, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thank you for uh, know that this is uh, this. I'm the one who kicks this off. That's really awesome. Go to his writing channel. Do it. No, don't do it. Do it. Don't listen to Kayla. This podcast is a part of the Bendview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it
0: at BenviewNetwork.com.